This episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast is brought to you by On Point Pomade. Keep your beard and hair looking on point with their line of pomades and beard oils over at onpointpomade.com. Use our code BSP15 at checkout and get 15% off your total purchase order. So thanks again to On Point Pomade for sponsoring our show. This episode is also sponsored by The Bean Bastard Coffee. Head over to TheBeanBastard.com and pick up any one of their delicious hand-roasted coffees. Coffee lovers will also enjoy their hand-cut and handmade espresso candles and soaps as well. If you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head to their store located at 448 Elmwood Avenue. And thanks again to The Bean Bastard for supporting this show. Brutally Speaking Podcast is proudly sponsored by Rockabilia.com. With over 500,000 officially licensed items in their online store, you're guaranteed to find something you need. Use our code BREW and get 10% off your total order. Now on to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast. I am your host, John, and this episode's guest is Matt Carter, guitarist of Emery, as well as the host of the Break It Down Podcast, one of the hosts on Bad Christian Podcast, and uh, does a lot of work with the labeled podcast as well. A um, little fun backstory, actually, about this podcast and, and you know Matt and how he relays into the whole thing is, uh, you know, Bad Christian had come and recorded a live podcast here in my basement, which uh, I believe is episode 127. And if you actually type in uh, Bad Christian Podcast live in Grand Rapids, uh, it'll pull up on the badchristian.com website. And I guess, as I just literally found out, uh, that Joey, who used to be one of the hosts on the show, recorded from kind of right near them uh, the full thing from my basement. So you can actually see the the full hour, almost two hour podcast that basically happened uh, in my basement as well as if you would like to hear it, it exists on, you know, the Bad Christian feed. But uh, I remember when Matt and Toby and everyone were setting up, I was really like, what are you using? What microphones? What, you know, and I was asking a ton of questions because at that point I was really interested in starting a podcast. And I just, I didn't understand kind of the fundamentals of, you know, how to do it. And I remember Matt being pretty polite uh, and just kind of be like, oh, you know, I use this. This is kind of what I use. But it was very vague and didn't really answer my questions. Um, but obviously, that was not a deterrent. Uh, we are over 300 episodes in. And, uh, you know, we've had Toby on the show. And it felt fitting to have Matt on. And it felt fitting, actually, to have Matt on now. Um, I know over the last, you know, five, six months or so, the podcast has been more of just a really spur-of-the-moment loose conversation kind of going all over. I don't really have any idea, nothing written, no concept of where the conversation's going to go. I just kind of let it happen. And I was kind of intimidated uh, when knowing that I was going to talk to Matt because I, I 
fancy him a, a rather smart person, someone who, you know, is very inquisitive and, and spends a lot of time learning new things and is just, you know, I w- you know, the, the phrase a jack of all trades, master none sort of applies to Matt, I think, but more in a nicer way than that statement sounds. But it's just intimidating when you know that there's someone who knows so much about so many things and, and can kind of go on such deeper levels and just where I think a lot of people are willing to go in a conversation for fear of not being as knowledgeable or whatever. And that's something that, you know, I definitely have tried getting over. Um, you know, actually the reason that this happened was, uh, Dewey from pure pleasure podcast kind of put Matt and I together and, you know, Matt and I have known each other through him coming to my house and, you know, literally doing, uh, events through bad Christian and so forth. But, uh, this was kind of one of the first times we've traversed kind of, doing something sort of in a business sense and doing something more in a, I'll say a professional setting, which is this. And it was, it was a little bit intimidating because bad Christian and Matt were very much one of the first shows that I started listening to, uh, when I got into podcasts. So it's kind of one of those where it's like a meeting your hero kind of scenario, uh, or the inspiration. And it's just kind of like, uh, it was kind of intimidating to kind of be like, Oh fuck. Like, do I have enough to keep Matt interested? Someone who does this professionally and that's like their main thing. And will they be talked out? Like, I know Matt likes talking. Clearly, I do, too. But you just never know where these conversations are going to go. Um, and it was really kind of cool. Like, to literally, as you will hear, it starts off with just talking about some of the software I'm using, you know, how Matt likes it or how he liked it from his uh, his end of things coming on. And uh, it was really one of those where, as the conversations just kind of started happening, we, we kind of delve more into just us and life uh and and kind of working again working through shit um breaking it down essentially (laughs) um but this was a lot of fun and uh i'm gonna stop talking and hope you enjoy this conversation with matt carter and i will talk to you on the other side of it My experience getting here has already been nicer than most platforms. So it's funny because what started it for me was that um, the like Zoom didn't have any capabilities. Based, why the fuck is my? I'm just noticing my stuff's not actually recording. Uh, do, 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 do. Why is that? Let's go into my settings. Um, but anyway, it uh, basically. It's it's just a lot more conducive for branding and so forth. Like, because um, I've been playing around with different stuff, but you know, I have this background because I think it works for what we do. But uh, my podcast co-host, basically on his other show, has this stuff, and it's pretty cheap and it works. Plus, uh, the nice thing is, is uh, yeah, you can use like the local audio and stuff like that, but like it does really well picking up both of ours because it's set up that way. And I have found it to just be really easy uh, to, to just do this. And basically, when you're done, you can export the video format and the audio format um, in both separate files. And it sounds pretty fucking good as long as there's not some random Internet issue. And even if there is, I'm typically not that worried about it because people know that we're doing this over the Internet. So yeah, um, totally. and then uh, I found separate s- tracks, but not local. 
it doesn't give you separate tracks. It's just one one track. Um, that's the one drawback. I think the one time I had to use Zoom, that was the nice thing is at least it gave me two separate mm-hmm. tracks. Um, but the volumes are matched well. That it matches the volumes kind of on its own somehow. In a way yep. so you don't and then adjust it. Yeah, typically what I'll end up doing is using uh, this software called Levelator, um, and then that just levels everything out from whatever I didn't do or how it isn't on this. And then I just recently found a, a really cool tool. This is so much inside baseball bullshit, but uh, no, it's good. I'm, I mean, everything's changed so fast. I love updating my knowledge with somebody who's paid attention recently. So keep talking. So uh, I use this thing called Descript because uh, I'm sure like I know that one. Okay, and that has been a fucking game changer yeah, uh, to where I can edit. Company. And uh, it's it's almost got me wanting to because I found it through doing that. Uh, I clicked finally one of those sponsored links for uh, I don't it, it's like Kevin Shamandin or some bullshit. And he had a podcast and he basically teaches you how to monetize and, and work smarter and not harder and all this kind of stuff. And I always see it. And I'm like, I just don't know if I believe in any of that, because like, you know, talking with Dewey quite a bit, it's always like, well, you did you do this? And I'm like, yeah, I do this. And he goes, oh, well, how did the episode do it? I'm like, no, not great. <laughs> like I did one with Porter from Atreyu. I literally was waiting for the graphic from our graphic person and I just released the episode. So at least it was out, but I didn't share it on any socials or nothing. And it had a few hundred downloads essentially being released blind. Uh, the episodes before that I had, you know, the, the guest shared it. I shared it on everything. And I just ended up fine. Like, just didn't do very well. And it's one of those where I'm like, I feel like that is a lot more of just how the world works now where you're like, I don't know. There's no rhyme or reason. And you can say, Oh, well, if you do a B and C, then X, Y, and Z are, you're going to be your desired or your, your outcome. But you don't know that. I mean, even listening to Dewey's chat with uh, Matt from Vox and hops. And, you know, he was saying like, you know, you would think if you get like the big, big guests, like someone from fallout boy, and then it underperformed uh, comparatively to lesser known people in lesser known bands. And it's not anything necessarily, but it, I think it just kind of speaks to a, that like the algorithms on all of our social media are kind of fucked. Like, you know, just cause you have however many people following you typically, like no one gets to see it because of whatever you got to pay for all those things. So it's, it really is an exercise in, at least for me uh, doing this for almost five years now, where it's just like, I know what I do is good. And I hope that it turns into a thing where you will f- someone will find an episode and then go, holy shit, this this is great. And, oh, my God, there's 200 and 300 episodes and mm-hmm. people that I like. And then you go back through and um, get a fan one by one. It's it's really the old band uh, mentality of earning your earning your fans one by one and word of mouthing it and kind of yep. just hoping that the, the content is good enough to keep people coming back. Um, but seeing all these things where people are like, Oh, you, you just got to do this. And, and if you give us money, we'll, we'll show yeah. you how to do this. And you're just kind of like, Man, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that's how it is or if that's it's a just... red flag. <laughs> it seems like it, but I feel like it's the same thing. And I'm sure you can speak to this even more. I mean, a, you've been doing the podcast thing a hell of a lot longer than I have. Um, I, I remember incessantly begging you or bugging you, I should say, like, what are you using and how are you doing this stuff and all these kind of things? And you're just like, I, I, I don't know, man. We just, we just we do it, stuff. It never stops changing. <laughs> and I, that maybe that's what I even like about it. But I go through phases of being into things and not into things. Um, like where, I, you know, I usually have a curve of I get into something and go super high into it. And then there's a time when I will stop paying attention to it. Same with guitar. Like I, 
I had a very post gear phase where I don't even ever, ever allow myself to think about gear or buy any or any like, and same with recording gear, same way. And then podcasting, all the technical things matter. And then they, then I go into a phase of full rejection of them where I throw everything out and say, well, what is here now? Like after you do a thing for a while and it's still a thing and you're still doing it, you have to start asking yourself the minimalist questions. And that's what I'm hearing you say about the thing you've been doing for five years now. It's like, wait a minute, maybe if I don't do all these graphs, maybe this matters, maybe this doesn't matter. Why do I do this? What does, what's the signal? What's the noise here? And a lot of times when you go to do that, you'll find that, man, a lot of that was noise, you know? So it's funny you, you kind of say that and kind of talking about, I don't want to say necessarily decluttering your life, but kind of going through this uh, phase where you're like, I just realized some shit's just not important and I'm phasing it out of my life because it doesn't add value, um, basically. Right. And I'm reminded, as you said that, of a trip when I went out to Oregon actually to go to Portland to see our friend uh, with my wife and I, and she was watching like random TED Talks on the flight. And she goes, hey, check this one out. This reminds me of you. And the and I, I always forget who the lady was. I should look it up and remember, commit that to memory. But uh, long and short of it, the beginning of it starts off and it's like, you know, I started doing this project or I would get into something and then that would kind of fall by the wayside. And then I get into something else and I'd be really passionate about it until I wasn't. And then I was like, what are you saying, Bridget? Like, what are you saying about me right now? <laughs> like, the how, do, how does this – I felt kind of like attacked a little bit. But the the crux of the, the TED Talk was basically, you know, we're – in it's ingrained in us at a very young age to, you know, one of the first questions they ask you in like preschool, what do you want to be singularly? What do you want to be when you grow up? And this lady was talking about, we never talk to our children or as a society or people about having the potential to be multifaceted or as she termed uh, multi-potentialites. Mm -hmm. And basically it was one of those things where it's okay to be really loving something. And then when it, you're just not in love with it anymore, letting it go instead of just holding on to it because it's a hobby. It's a thing. It's a daily practice or a routine, but it's kind of funny because you strike me as someone who definitely is that where you get really excited about something until you no longer are. And you're excited about something else. Does that cause a lot of frustration for you in your personal life? This, I mean, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it creates a lot of frustration for those around me is what I've something I didn't understand and maybe until more recently. So mm. I do have a, a lot of different considerations for things um, now that I didn't have two years ago, let's say. But um, I uh, it causes a lot of frustration with other people because the way and it speaks to that thing of being into gear or being into a new thing. It's really just a motivation um, that if you have the motivation to do something, you do it. And if you don't, you don't. But how can you control your motivation? I've never understood how anybody could do such a thing. I have a extremely independent spirit and am self-motivated, but I have no ability to control my motivation. <laughs> I just have a lot of it. And whatever it's aimed at is what I'm going to do. And I will not be able to stop thinking about it. And so when I on-ramp new things, I acquire – a giant amount of knowledge relatively quickly and start putting together like when we had a tour bus uh for our band we before we bought the bus 
uh, you know, started thinking about them, started looking at them on Craigslist. And then nothing can go in my mind other than riding down the road and seeing all the buses. And see, I mean, you know, every if you're buying a car all, and you look at a Honda, all you see is Hondas all of a sudden. You think everybody has a Honda. I never even noticed. But now it's nothing but Accords driving by every day. And so if you start when I got into building and, and doing stuff, and how, I'm walking through every door for way thinking it's 80 inches. This is that thing. What kind of siding they use on the house. You know, it just everything goes that way. Um, and, and so you can really, if you, if you're able or privileged enough as I have been to follow, be able to follow your self-interest, you will acquire a tremendous amount of knowledge up front. And then it's just a question of, well, is it worth it? What are you going to use it for? Is it going to sustain? But that's not, those things aren't guaranteed, but mm -hmm. if you're not cur if you're not curious, you can't find out. So you have to take that trip up the thing and they'll, they'll show the curve of it. it's like this really ramp up thing on a new journey and then there's the peak and then there, it drops way down to where it feels bad and then a slow climb back up to did this thing survive does this thing exist do i have enough motivation to make it through the hard parts because it's so worth it because I, I love this so much mm. and with most things it's not that but only some things is that and so you know, if you are doing that with other people and you're not in alignment, whether it be your wife or your bandmates or whatever idea you get into, you can really you can get in that phase where you talk them up on this thing that you're going to let go of in six months and they're not going to understand that. <laughs> well, I guess that's actually an interesting topic of conversation with you specifically, because I feel like that's something I've always admired about you, uh, you personally. And I guess succinctly, you are banned as well as. Your ability to just adapt. Um, I don't know if it's by necessity or or what, because I mean, something I always kind of like and find interesting is, you know, talking about bands, especially bands that uh, get signed at a very young age is kind of what is it do to you mentally? Because you're not fully a, a realized person yet. Like you're kind of trying to figure out life in a very unnatural set of in mm -hmm. unnatural circumstances. Mm -hmm. And then that kind of starts fucking with the id of yourself because now people see you as your Matt from Emory or, you know, there's just a laundry list of different ways that people will view you as a person. And then you have to find yourself in either one or all of those people to be who you need to be. And then somewhere along the way, you also have to learn all this shit about uh, finances and, you know, all the things in the business that probably didn't mean anything to you until someone was like, Hey, you need to know this. Mm -hmm. And just thinking about how you have to just be malleable. And some people, I think, are able to do that. And I think you've been really good at it. I mean, look at this. You started the podcast well before really any bands were doing that. You've now doing crypto. Uh, and I think you're one of the first couple of bands I've heard really do that. Kind of like you said, you seem to kind of go all in very quickly on things. But is it? Is it always really been that way for you or is there really, yeah. are you ever nervous or afraid of, I guess the failure or it's a complex thing, but you're getting real close to my fundamental programs, um, that drive me, um, <laughs> the, the thing that's weird about it is that it's not all in, um, the way that I see it, it is, it's like a low stakes mistakes territory there's a very certain territory that i belong in and i know what it is hmm. um and it and it is a must I, I have to be adaptable and i have to do what i have to do 
uh, when the fire's under your butt. But to me, it's always been clear that I was not like you say that being in a band is a alternative environment. Well, that's what my requirement is. The normal hmm. environments are and I are incompatible. I can't have a boss. I can't have a job. I must do something. So I have to make it work. That's, uh, you know, I can't be a good student or employee hmm. because that's somebody else's thing. And that it's not me. I feel so like I, you actually would be a very good student, but well, I think I it would have to depend. Test. I, say, I think it that. would have to depend on what the topic is and if you found it to be a value to you. Well, yeah, but I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I perform well on tests. I put it that way. I have a college degree. Um, I excel academically, but I would never try to make a. a I don't care what my grades are. I've never taken notes. I don't pay attention if I don't want to or need to. I didn't buy the books for class. Um, I'm just going, I'm just there for whatever I have to be there for. That's, that's, that's all. And if I'm interested in learning, that's fine. I've done well in classes like music classes where I, <laughs> I mean, I, when I got to music school, um, I was worried that I wouldn't be good enough to keep up. Uh, hmm. or something with musicians because that seemed like something I wouldn't be able to hang with at, at the time. But um, so I was, I was obsessed with music at the time. I was going to a college that didn't have a music program and I'd found guitar and I was just, I could not stop thinking about the notes and how they fit together. And I had so many questions. I had so many questions about why C seven chord has a B flat in it. I could not understand why it wouldn't be a B natural since B is in the C scale. And it hmm. just it drove me crazy. There was nobody I could ask. I didn't know anybody or anything. And I was just thinking <laughs> about stuff like that as a you know guitar player. And then I was I went to a school that had a music major. I took a class that, uh, of music. I said, "Wow, I, I think I understand this stuff. Let me go to a music school." But then I was super intimidated because it was going to be all these orchestra players and people could read music and all that kind of thing. Um, and I went and got into the music theory class, and I was so upset uh, because of how simple it was. I read through the whole book. You know, and I understood all the stuff. It was because they they all think the harmonies and the chords and the everything is advanced. But I thought I'd been thinking about it so much myself that I really understood the music theory hmm. really well when I came in as a first year music student. Um, but they wouldn't let me skip the classes. I went in the professor's office and said, "Well, I know all this stuff. Can I go on to the next whatever?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> like, okay and so i never did my homework and i made all bad grades and then i made you know i passed all the tests but i didn't do the assignments and you know that's just the way way it goes but that's a long way of saying i don't care what other people want me to do it, i can't do a good job i can't not half-ass it there's no way i would get fired I, if the boss tells me to do something the answer is not why would i want to do what you want me to do i want to do what i want to do and i know that sounds childish but that's my that's what it feels like to be me so i have to figure out everything on my own terms maybe i i, I need help <laughs> you know but i but i'm not doing it somebody else's way so i'm constrained and and then yeah i make stuff happen <laughs> this is gonna be maybe kind of an odd question and i'll preface it by kind of explaining where i'm coming from with it so I personally have like a really hard time, like shutting my brain off. Um, I typically, you know, it was really amusing. I had a conversation with my parents about a couple weeks ago and 
you know, I was talking about because uh, I was looking for a different job because I was kind of doing like the ship door dashy kind of stuff. I don't know if they have it out in your area where you basically grocery shop for people all day. Work whenever you want, uh, not work whenever you want. And uh, I like it because it allows me to, to do this and be available whenever an opportunity presents itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's one of those like where people are like, oh, it must be real easy. And it's like, yeah, but you have to be motivated to do it. Um, yeah. I also was making the comment though to my parents like oh because i chose to do that again as opposed to looking for a normal job i uh was starting to smoke weed again because i was like oh it helps me sleep uh kind of turns my brain off uh for a long enough to just kind of be more present and in the moment and was one of those things like they were like well how many hours of sleep do you need to function and i go to function or to actually just be i go to function i would probably say like four five hours maybe and i was like but i would I can sustain and be fine on like three. I've done it for a long, long, long time. When talking to a therapist, which I started doing in the last you know six months or so, it was funny to see how they evaluate me and my life and the experiences I've had from a very clinical perspective. And I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because I don't, I don't feel like I'm wired the same way as like here's the textbook. I'm going to ask you these questions you answer, and then you yeah. fall here or there. How do you feel about therapy? And and do you also have the same problem of kind of getting sleep and turning your brain off? Well, interesting. This, this is like all topics I'm quite interested in. Um, they are all really related, but you use the term differently wired. That's the territory that we're talking about. That's the territory that, you know, is I, – I think that – the differently wired or neurodivergent or people who are just different with their minds is, is a much more profound group that is under identified and under understood and under self identified um, in a way that once things are understood better, I think, I think there's a lot more to understand basically about people that tend to be punks, misfits, outsiders, uh, lazy, Um, differently wired, you know, diagnosed with a billion things, given whatever amount of drugs. I mean, these are just people that are different (laughs) like (laughs) me or you, but one that we is, is very common that people like that have self motivations and perform horribly in environments that are not good for them. And, And when they have to conform to something that is not set up for them. And I, I feel that that's a great, injustice and there's a lot of talent and ability that exists in many people that is crushed or squandered or drugged out or diagnosed or labeled or you name it um but it's uh i think the punk community and the indie communities and some of what i was saying before is that territory where you can do stuff your own way um, that's the fertile place. I met so many talented people in, in music and, and people like Dewey and people like you, they're set, that's just, it's a kind of person. I mean, it really is. <laughs> I mean, it's high intensity, high drive. Um, you know, and there's every shade of that. People are configured in so many more ways than we give them credit for, but, um, it's you, I like to be somewhere that's new, messy, dirty. I'm going to make a billion mistakes. So I cannot go into a place where everything is refined. I could not be in the royal family. I cannot be a Supreme Court justice, no matter if I could understand the cases or not. I don't, am I going to behave in the normal ways that people would want or expect? I'm not going to be able to do a business process that's refined to a certain detail where you just execute 
you know, in this detailed way that, that I'm not going to be able to, it's something that other people have already figured out. There's nothing for me to figure out. I'll just be a poor performer if you put me in those environments, hmm. you know, and, and so having a mind that is all over the place. So, you know, I've been a diagnosis dodger, like I, I could have gotten and can easily get a, a Plenty of diagnoses very easily. I, I could get many of them and have been targeted for them since I was a young child, but I'm, I don't take them. I don't accept diagnoses. Um, and if I, although I do acknowledge I have many areas of weakness and or disability, that's the way I think of myself. Um, but I work on them. I'm, I'm childlike in, in some areas still that I have a lot of development to go, but those are narrow areas and I have some narrow areas where I, can excel so i think that's the way I, I look at people so that will intersect people at different times with therapy that's useful or drugs that are useful or environmental change that is useful or career change that is useful <laughs> but you don't have to be like everybody else first of all and you can be good and stuff and bad and stuff and you can get this certain help or that certain help it's just something you've got to really assess the individual's mind and their environment they're in and you can't judge it really beyond that. You've got to get certain minds and the environments that are working for them. That's all you can measure it by is, well, how's it working? So I don't know about four hours of sleep or anything <laughs> like that. It doesn't sound right to me, but how is it actually working? What are the consequences? What's going on there with no judgment? Just look at it, whether or not you use weed or don't. I mean, that's not, you just have to look at it and see how's it working? How much are you able to have choice experimentation, learning, development, updating your model of how you, how much more could you modify your environment? I mean, that, that's how my brain thinks all the time, but it is quite active in that way. It is hard to shut down. Um, but I do sleep pretty well. Um, uh, I don't, I think a lot of people like me have sleep disturbances and I think it has to do a lot with that hard to shut your mind down thing. Um, the, but, but I, I work kind of hard at, at, at sleep. I, I think I've put some effort into that in the routine uh, um, and the science of it a little bit. Uh, but I feel pretty lucky that I've, I'm able to sleep overall. But, but there are times if I'm more stressed out that certainly I, I cannot sleep <laughs> because of every, any manner of the thing I'm obsessed with could be as simple as guitar stuff. If it gets in my head too much, it's gonna, it is going to be hard to sleep. I just find it interesting because it's 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 funny to me how like just observing people like my wife is like she'll be like I'm so tired like I'm if I'm like tired and like it's like four thirty like I'll be like going to bed <laughs> like my body's telling me I need to sleep I'm listening to it um, but it'll be funny because like my wife will be like oh like I'm so tired I'm so tired I'm like go to bed she's like no. Like I, I work these amount of hours. I do all this stuff. Like this is like my time. And I was like, but yeah, if you're tired, then like staying awake and just kind of running yourself down doesn't help. Uh, just like, I also feel like when she stresses out about like, she'll be like, Oh, I have a meeting in like three days and I'm stressing out about it. And I'm like, it's not even happening yet. Like, <laughs> like it, it's just weird how like we are, her and I are so different and just even people in general, like some people are like, I need that coffee first thing in the morning to turn my brain on. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I need nothing like my eyes opening <laughs> is my coffee. It's like, and here's the first thing, my thought, whatever. And now we're just, we're up and brains active. Yeah. Well, you're probably used to sleeping, not enough 
or poorly is most likely the case, and it probably has effects, but you're used to them. <laughs> I actually think something I've noticed is in later years, <clears throat> I don't know if it, I don't remember if it was something I learned how to do, like by reading about it or whatever, but I've kind of figured out how to fall asleep very quickly um, and getting into like a REM sleep. So, like my wife would always get mad at me and be like, you snore so quickly because you're, well, hey, now, you know, you're high and uh, <laughs> you're just like passing out. But it's like beyond that, it's it's still a thing where if I kind of put my mind to go like, all right, you're going to sleep, you're going to take big breaths, you're going to kind of do this like movement thing like I've figured out with my eyes to kind of facilitate sort of that feeling. Oh, then it's like the next thing I know, like, boom, I'm out. And then it's like, oh, now it's I'm waking up. But like there have been times where I'll wake up after like if I went to bed, it will say eight 30, I'll wake up at 11 30, 12. And I'm like, Oh my God, I feel so refreshed. But then I'll go back to bed and wake up a few more hours later and have basically the equivalent of like a full night's sleep. And I feel like garbage. So yeah. it's kind of weird how I'm like, and that's kind of what's been making me think that different people just kind of need. And again, listening to your body uh, to figure out kind of what it's telling you, you need or don't need. There's some basics of physiology that are useful there. The Huberman Lab podcast is the sleep resource for sure. Um, I, As in I, just listening to it puts you to sleep? <laughs> well, it might, but it, it gives you – it really does help uh, understanding your temperature cycle and when you see light and how you view light and what time and your circadian rhythm stuff. I mean there's stuff, stuff to it, but it is – you have to customize it. You know, there's no one size fits all medical or anything like that. Um, so it's just, just like nutrition science. I mean, you can learn some basics, but if low carb works or doesn't work, it's not right or wrong. It's just, how does it work for you is the way. Right. To, and it, but you have to learn what you can and experiment, um, how you can with it. But the, uh, I also been doing meditation and that helps TM. Uh, and I don't know if it's TM really just break regular mindfulness, but just to be in the spot where, you notice your thought. Well, basically, it addresses the mind wandering thing too. So I see it as a good and bad thing to have the very associative mind, mm. uh, basically, where you're getting all these rant is jumping from one thing to another, doing a, a very fast search for relevant info. That's mm. a good, there's very good for creativity, problem solving, things like that. But it's hard to control. You get lost in your own thoughts and, and, and whatever. Um, the unhealthy side of that can be when you're when you are lost in your own thoughts and your thoughts become self-focused and ruminating. And then that can that can be a, a mental health uh, challenge when you get there. Uh, but really, is if can you use that energy to be productive? You know, mm -hmm. if you can ch harness that instead of suppress it, really, it's just how is it being, you know, used it, that type of mental mental energy kind of a thing. And then I think meditation it gives you this ability in theory to, and I'm not, I'm pretty beginner just this year have been doing it, but it's just this, it feels like exercise my body. It's like, Oh, I can run a mile now after I, it, you know, if you can't, but then you look back at yourself and go, I used to couldn't run a mile, but it's the same way as I, you go, oh, I can't do that meditation stuff. But if you could just, think of it as like a stretching exercise that's the only reason you should do it is because obviously you can't stretch and touch your toes so well, just try to get a little closer instead of get farther away but the thing you're not able to do is separate from those racing thoughts and let them go or analyze them or say oh those there those thoughts are why do why am i distracted what is that thought oh and then you know so you can get like a micro distance from that fire hose of 
that feels like creativity or drive or problem solving or worry or anxiety. It's all the same energy that's coming. And so just to get a one step away from it can be quite helpful to, to be able to neutralize or, or let it go. Um, and I think that factors into things like sleep. And I didn't know this is a podcast about sleep and wellness <laughs> and spiritual uh, healing. <laughs> so what's funny is, you know, the show, just like, I mean, just like, I feel like bad Christian, just like, you know, everything creatively that we tend to do, there's maybe the idea of your, your base of like, I want to start this. This is what I want to do. And then you kind of start doing it and you realize like, it's not as fulfilling as I thought it would be. Let's kind of pivot and kind of find my way into what seems to naturally be happening. And for a while it was talking to people that were in bands really, but since I knew so many people and knew a lot about these people individually, like a great example started with like Porter from Atreyu was, is, and still is really big into photography, graphic design work and so forth. But at the time, not many people probably knew that about him. So I wanted to offer a way to talk to some people's favorite musicians and from bands they've loved for a long time, but get to know them in a different capacity. Um, unfortunately, like, the way to really kind of be able to do that at length isn't during a tour cycle or a press cycle. Um, so then I kind of got lumped in with just doing press stuff, which is fine. I, I feel like I have found my way to do, you know, a 15, 20, 30 minute interview, but still make it completely different than anything you're going to, and anything else you're going to hear on anyone else's press junket that day. And that's my goal with that. I think for a while I used to hate it because I'm like, man, give me more time. But then it's like, now, nah, fuck it. Let's go the other way. Let's see if I can challenge myself to make that 15, 20, 30 minutes the best that it possibly can be and really give something to whoever may listen to it, or at least the person I'm talking to, a reprieve from the normal questions are probably going to get asked. Um, so then that kind of morphed into a little bit more of a hybrid of doing things like this where I'm just talking to people. But it was really therapy um, in the last little bit that's kind of shifted my perspective on things to be more open to just letting a conversation happen. You know, something Dewey and I, when we started talking uh, initially over the last year when, of meeting each other digitally um, was, you know, he was like, do you write your questions down? I was like, I am an over-preparer, so I will, but I'll start with a question. And then I go, okay, well, I can't start here. So then I'm going to piece together questions. And it kind of goes into my love of writing where you're writing a story basically that has an, an arc put your pieces together and make the puzzle make sense and then go, okay, there's my, my line of questions. I'm going to over-prepare. So if I the dude answers very quickly or whatever, boom, I have backups. If it's going kind of long, I can cut this out because these are the main pieces that matter. Since therapy though, something that my therapist kind of pointed out for me was that I worry about the, the what ifs. And then I try to solve the what ifs, but like I was saying with my wife, the thing hasn't even happened yet. So why are you trying to solve a problem? That's not even there. Essentially, that's what I've done with the podcast is I'm preparing for things that haven't happened and I'm trying to steer someone instead of just letting a conversation happen. And I ended up talking with Lee from Born of Osiris and, you know, he had put out a solo instrumental record and I could have asked him, like, how did you, you know, what are the themes kind of going through or whatever? And we started th talking about therapy and then he kind of opened up about his uh, like opioid addiction. Uh, and then we started talking about some other things and then it basically, you know, I had made a comment of, you know, he, his love of watches. And I was like, oh, I noticed that 
you know, you have watch or TikTok noises or whatever. Like, is that a, you know, could be a bomb, could be a clock, could be all these things, could be the start of something, could be the end. Like, and through just natural conversation, he ended up divulging what the actual record was really about and the, the themes and so forth. And he was like, it was so much more refreshing to get to it that way than just being like, oh, what's the record about? And yeah. I think a lot more people will get more out of it when you naturally let a conversation happen. And as although I'm not doing it very well right now, the thing I've also learned and was going to be my next question was actually, what is something that you've learned how to do better as a result of doing a podcast and having to basically converse with people, strangers, essentially, too, for so long? Well, I had a sense getting into well, first of all, anybody knows me knows that I talk more than other people do by uh, Hi, by, same. Some, <laughs> by some multiple factors. I've always been aware of that. So if people said there's podcasting, I'm sure people said, well, Matt, that's a, what you should do. You, why don't you talk? Go get a microphone and leave me alone. So I, <laughs> I, I understand that about myself and the fact that the barrier to entry was so low and that podcasting wasn't good. It was clearly not good. And it's still not good, I don't think. And that's the best part about it is it's what's what do you mean when you say not good? What do you mean not good? Like the well the it's a to me, it's just a huge buy signal when there's a new thing that nobody's good at. <laughs> you know, that's just like if you look at movies. Let's say I wanted to be a filmmaker. It, you could take my thoughts and ideas and artistic impulses, and I could try to be a filmmaker, hmm. but I would fail, obviously, because I don't have the resources. Uh, I haven't spent all the time. The, the people's standards for what a good movie is is quite high. Like if Christopher Nolan makes a movie, people would be like, eh, you know, I'm not going to be able to compete with that. It's a refined art form all the way down to, oh my God. I mean, only the most best thing that totally can transcend can even poke through because it's been so done. So when there's something new, especially if it's informal and there's not a way it's done, well, then there's plenty of opportunity there and no judgment. Nobody, if I made a movie, people will laugh at it because it'll be my first movie. I mean, you know, but if you make your first episode of a podcast, it could just be bad as it ever, you ever would ever imagine it could ever be. And it could not matter if you talk to your friends and say, we're just going to do, say whatever we want to, which is, so I felt the freedom to go into that with no worries, but I also figured I could be good at this and people will get good at this. And this medium is so vastly powerful because um, you said you have a love of re re writing. I have a hate of writing. <laughs> I have a hate. Of I reading. hate doing it, but I love when it's almost as someone who very much does very poorly at, writing ideas like you know i play guitar but like i can't write very well because i'll i know so much different music i go oh i'm borrowing this or this is this riff or whatever with writing it's kind of the same way where but at least like i know that because i've done it enough times that i can start something throw it all away start back over like i've written pages upon pages of something for like show reviews or album reviews and then i'm like that fucking sucks keeping that one sentence and i'm starting yeah. over but then when i'm done and people are like, wow, like one of the best compliments I got was I got to write a feature on a friend's band after they had gotten signed and were coming through. And everyone was so fascinated on them being a party band. And I was like, but they're not. They're a blue collar band from Detroit. And like this is that's the story that is interesting to me. And it took me a long time to 
to get the story I wanted out of what I was writing. But when I did, and one of the best compliments was one of my close friends goes, I didn't know you could write that well. <laughs> and I was like, I love writing. I like, I like reading and so forth, but I fucking hate the process and what it does to me because I'm my no, own worst no, no, no. critic you love and it. I fucking hate it. No, you love it because you wouldn't do it otherwise because that is painful and uncomfortable, which is the only – you know, discomfort is what it's all about, is what discomfort can you handle or train yourself to get through to gain. And yeah. you love writing and the product and that you know you have the ability to do it at a high level. Thus, the motivation is present for you to get through the very hard discomfort of the blank page or whatever or the revision or the throw it in the damn trash can, whatever it is. <laughs> I hate words on paper and screens. I can't hmm. read them. I can't write them. <laughs> I don't understand them. I don't like that stuff. Hmm. I like to talk and I like to listen. <laughs> I believe that. I mean, everything I know, I, I heard people say it uh, is the only way I know how to say it. I, I, you know, we were sitting around campfires for eons before we were reading and writing books. I mean, this talking without any knowing what you're saying in the middle of the sentence I'm saying right now, I don't know how I'm going to finish it yet. That is how humans <laughs> best communicate. It's right. crazy, crazy that we live in a world where it's experts and textbooks and right answers written down. And I don't, that's just not the, the world. Isn't like that to me. It's a, the world is a place that I interact with people and gain knowledge from many ways, uh, implied and, you know, conversations engaging. It's a high information transfer, if you're engaged in a conversation on, in a multi-sensory way hmm. that, that you're getting who the person is, what the context is, it's a very rich thing to have informal conversation that is not scripted or right. edited or fixed or thought out or driven by a singular agenda. You know, and if you start listening to a podcast where it has a singular agenda, like uh, and it's about a very, very certain thing. And if they get off topic, you're, you get so upset. <laughs> because it's not that's that's kind of a, in a way that's a cheat of a pot it's like you're putting some other kind of information in in a podcast medium but it's not conversation conversation is a thing you can be lost in and still have a high information transfer and so to me that's like the dinner table growing up sitting mm -hmm. around a campfire being on a tour bus that is that is the world that matters to me is the engaged interactive with other people and i believe that's the, one of the one of the best ways we learn things and grow then Absolutely. of course you can train knowledge in books and of course you can revise a, a text until it's cleaner better you sound smart of course you can <laughs> but what do you like <laughs> what, is it, what do you, what you, can you tell me that's the way i interface with the world so very attracted to podcasts as opposed to writing and, and those other kinds of things. But like I said, I always had trouble with that kind of stuff in school. So I just, you know, but the, but the podcast, um, nobody's really good at it because it's so open-ended. You can do anything with it. Um, and it's still really early. Like the first TV shows when they first had things, something called a TV, those were not good shows compared <laughs> to the Sopranos or right. whatever, you know, the wire that, that came later. And podcasting still at Gilligan's Island level. I mean, you know what I mean? That's why I think it's still very early in this uh, accessible, ancient, primal art form of talking without a plan that everybody's lost because all we do is text each other and read articles. It, I mean, is it, there so? It, so it's what you really can just be. 
I'm I'm gonna get back to answering your question. I'm just off no, on a good. tirade. No, that's the whole two, point so. of a podcast, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, but it's uh, the question that I was trying to get back to is that. Oh crap! I I have it on the tip of my tongue. I'm about to make the connection back. Um, it helped me out though. It was just basically what have you learned? Oh, uh, what about yes? Yeah. So I knew that. I could get better at it by doing it poorly until I could do it better. My mom always had this thing where she heard her voice on a recording. She would lose her mind with how terrible she sounded and how what an idiot she was or whatever. And I have that a little bit too, but I think that's not something to resist. That's something to embrace, like the revision that you say in your writing. I can go back and listen to myself. I'll make myself edit it because I'm so embarrassed of how I screwed that question up or talked for too long. I'm going to go back and edit it, and it is it's so embarrassing. It is so bad to hear me be me to other people. I go, oh my <laughs> gosh. But that is what, that is how I actually get better at being me though. Like it's, a, I know the value of that is resp- seeing what you have done and being embarrassed by it is a way to get better as a person. Yeah, And so you can only do it in the areas that you really can talk. It's hard to tolerate that. And most people do not do it and avoid it like the plague. But if you have an ad on a podcast and listeners that want it on Wednesday, you got to do it. And you're already embarrassed about how bad it is. So you got to do the best you can to get it as good as you can in the finite time that you have it. And it's always been a battle. And at some point I stopped editing and said, well, this is what I am no more edits. I got to just be me. And I wish I was better at this, but I still feel horrible at it almost <laughs> every moment. If that makes you feel any better, that's how I feel about it. But I do think that's good for me. So that's how to get better. <laughs> well, it's funny. Cause like with me, something that I've gotten better at is letting go. Uh, like yeah. you were saying, like, just like it got to the point where I know what my ands, my ums, my uhs look like in waveform. <laughs> and that's why everybody quits podcasting because they take it too seriously in that way. And then they don't get the numbers that, you know, if you get too objective driven or you, you put all that effort into all these questions and then you don't get to pass the third one because the guy and you think the other person sucked or whatever. And <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's just there's no answers to any of that. And you feel so stupid for working so hard at, at the preparation. And you didn't even use it, and it sucked anyway, and then nobody even listened to it. I mean, that, that's just what – sometimes that's the way it goes. It is funny. I was listening to, like I said, because uh, I'm going to be on Matt from Box and Hops' uh, show tomorrow. We're doing it. Not tonight. I got. I looked at – I had it wrong. I, <laughs> I felt like an idiot. I was like, ah, fuck. I fucked up. But uh, it was funny because I was listening to his and Dewey's conversation. You know, you were brought up in it, and, you know, he was like – you know, because Dewey will – constantly kind of be like oh don't get like bummed out about your numbers like they're good like when i was like yeah it's like you know like in the last little while i was like oh the numbers dipped during the pandemic um not entirely sure why but like whatever but i was like yeah it's like you know five six hundred you know a down or uh, per episode and it was like that's good and i was like i mean it's not when you're trying to shop me to you know your uh network basically like i know those are not good numbers and he was like, well, you know, like Matt said, and as he said on the on the podcast, he was like, just think about going in your backyard and there's 500 people waiting there to hear you talk about something that week. And you're like, yeah, fuck, that's a lot. Like, yeah. that's, you know, some bands can sustain a career off of playing rooms like that. And it's like, if it gives you joy to do it and there are people listening and, and actively engaging with you in it, then it's like, why not keep doing it? Like, again, you can't, it can't always be just a, a 
results driven yeah, with some things. Absolutely. That's the key, 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 key. You have to, it has to be an intrinsic value. And so you can get disembodied on a digital art form because you're not, you're not, you know, people go back to open mic for eight people every week just to have eight people uh, give them attention, you know, and they're <laughs> terrible or maybe they get a little bit better, but it's only eight people and the eight people probably don't halfway care. But that is what we, that is the commodity. It is not a number on a page or an ad or your status. I mean, people do things for all those reasons, but that is not right to do. I, I, I Anybody can do whatever they want, but that's, I just think it's wrong to think that way but i will defend get the desire for human attention i value that i want human attention and i know that the major algorithms and all that the mainstream is that too so it's all about eyeballs clicks just getting attention but there's a difference in superficial attention and deep attention and what information transfer happens and if the person's left better or worse for having had it did they squander their time by giving the attention to what they gave it to attention human attention is the valuable thing though yeah it, you, it can be monetized it can be used for status <laughs> it can be used to wield power or whatever it's valuable to get attention because it is um it's kind of like you get feedback from it that's both good and bad that you can utilize. That's a value. So you do want the risk. I mean, maybe you don't need the response of 20,000 people and I wouldn't want the responses of millions of people. Right. So there's some amount of people that's the right amount for you, for whoever you are, where you are, that you can hold their attention and then give them value that they go, you know what? My attention was well spent on that. And they can both be negative and positive feedback, which is useful for the person who is doing the embarrassing, hard, stage fright inducing thing that says, please give me your attention. I think this will be worth it. That's a that's a bold claim. That's a bold claim to say, listen to me for an hour and a half talk. That should give you pause. And if anybody does it, you really, really hope they don't feel that they wasted their time, you know? And if they did, oh, my gosh, that's terrible. And that uh, that feeling should transcend what the numbers are. Like, right. if you just performed for eight people and ate shit, you would be horribly embarrassed, you know? If they felt like, why did I even watch that fool? <laughs> even if two people did that, I would feel bad. I'd feel so bad. So I want to calibrate to that. I want to rise to that occasion. I want to stay embodied with the fact that there are thousands or tens of thousands of people listening and try to get a good grip on that. Because if you don't, you're in big trouble. I mean, and, 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 and that goes really bad on the end where people, and I've seen it. I mean, when people get more audience than they are able to handle or understand, it's quite destructive. And I've seen that. In music since, you know, for 20 years and in podcasting, maybe worse because it's like, you you know, you know how stand-up comedians are so self-deprecating and talk about their how much of a loser they are in their careers and stuff like that. That's that's part of it, too. It's like you have to be able to stay connected and grounded to handle stuff. And if you really think you're that great, that you deserve sometimes numbers that are bigger than you should have, I mean, you, that's a very dangerous negative mental health, negative personal outcome, negative personal development situation you know so i think but the the pursuit of human attention and the measurement of it 
And the correct relationship to that is, you know, that's the that's the real magic. That's the real deal. But the the amount of numbers is less the issue. As you were just kind of saying that, I don't want to say the success, but maybe getting wrapped up in the superficial things of doing anything creative where you're looking for fulfillment beyond just the creation of or getting out what you need to get out. Since you are in two different mediums between music and doing podcasts, are you ever worried about, I don't want to say what you're putting out there, but basically, all right. I guess this is a, an easier way for me to get to the, the question because I'm trying to figure out how to get to it. But um, so like case in point, I had someone reach out to me that I, I don't really know. And they basically were like, hey, I'm uh, not doing well. I, I think I'm going to kill myself. And I was like, oh, my God, like this is fucking heavy. Like it's not the first time it's happened to me. And then, you know, I kind of started doing this whole like why me thing. Like why am I the person that everyone reaches out to like? You know, I'm glad to be that person, I guess, you know, because it means that they trust me with my guess bigger is things. because you're good at solving problems. Sure. Or at least listening to people and, and giving feedback or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, what, think about that just for a second, though, that personality that's the your mind is going. You're thinking about a lot. You, you're that type of thing. That is a problem solving mind to figure out how to get those LED lights to blink back there to set up the stream yard <laughs> to do this. People know that about you. Right. They think but, you can help them. But it became this thing where right around the same time, like my dad had asked me, you know, how does it feel having a platform? And I go, what do you, what do you mean having a platform? And he goes, well, I mean, people listen to your show and people, you know, talk to you about things that were said on them or whatever. You ever thought about what you're saying and what you're putting out there? You know, that's going to potentially come back to you in some way, shape or form. And the more I've kind of thought about that over the last, you know, five, six months, it's made me be a little bit, I would say maybe trepidatious in some of the things I share. Like at one point, you know, I've been a little bit more cautious about talking about my wife on the show because I had someone somehow get access to something and communicated with me. And basically were saying wildly inappropriate things and down to like, Oh, I know you guys were here the other night. And I was like, I was like, Holy shit. Like this thing I do that I just do for fun and conversations I have, apparently has rattled someone to where I didn't, I still don't know who it was. It was an anonymous person. The number didn't link back to anything and it was really scary. And that was one of the first times I was kind of like, huh, maybe I don't put as much of myself out there because of this happening now. Adversely, you know, like, are you ever afraid of putting something out there and maybe having it, come back to you in a way that a negative way, maybe, or a way that you weren't expecting it to and being more cautious from that moment moving forward. Well, there's more than one factor there, but, um, when I began music, I didn't think about anything at all at all. <laughs> um, I, and when I began podcasting, which was still 20 years after I got into music or 15, at least, you know, even professionally, I still was very much of a punk mentality of fuck it. I do not ask permission and I don't wait and I fix problems as they come. And I try to just keep ahead of them if anything. And I, I don't, I, it's, it's a very strong value of mine to be authentic or live an integrated way so that I don't have to keep track of anything. I can't, I can't, I just don't have the ability to do that. Act one way or watch my, I can't, 
I don't have I have zero confidence to have the ability to not say to be able to inhibit my speech. I just don't seem to. I really am sure you could neurologically, physiologically test something. It <laughs> would show that the inhibition circuits are not. I don't have as much of them. I I, I can't not say what I am thinking. I cannot not do it. So I've I've always since I was a very young child gotten in very difficult and uncomfortable situations for not being able to shut up. So I I'm I just that I'm used to that. Like mm. I expect to be in trouble always. I expect that. <laughs> so um I just never noticed noticed it. I mean of course getting into podcasting it's like an advantage and cool that you can be do that. Like it works. It that does is an advantage in podcasting that you can speak freely without that um careful i'm thinking about the next thing that and i nobody listens to that or i don't um so the person has to be saying it in real time as they think it and so if you can let that fly i have a high tolerance for that that can be an advantage um so you know i've spent the whole podcast career talking about my wife and kids and their names and what we do and i mean you know, and and being very vulnerable about stuff in our personal life and everything from miscarriage to my mom's death to, you know, just we I just that's been that's part of that's what the show's kind of is in a, in, in a way. It, um, I understand that to be part of its value. So even if I, I just never, I just thought, well, we're just going to roll with that. I'm just not going to worry about what the the boundaries are. Um, now in 2016, when Trump won that election, at that time it became clear to me that. This is tw from 2016 on feels different than up to 2016. It wasn't just that, but if you remember, the online space mm -hmm. was. If you go what farther back, of course you'll remember. But <clears throat> you know, it it really was a, a steep um, increase in the amount of negativity online in about 2016. I've been monitoring internet comments for a really <laughs> long time. <laughs> I found a sharp uptick around that whole time right. um and uh less and less tolerance for celebrity like or you know it's less and less cool to be to have anything um or to you know it's the tear down this um you can feel it overall and so the quality of podcasts had gotten better in a way too so i was like at this point you, you could feel that you're gonna have to things are gonna have to be there was a, some trajectory that was different then, and it's still unclear to me what is a good and bad idea now. Uh, eventually, on top of that, so that's been ever-increasing, mm -hmm. that you have to be more careful in ways that I never thought you would. I just never anticipated that you would have to be careful about X, Y, or Z. Um, I've never taken anything I've ever said off air on, in any capacity. We've got six or 800 episodes total, including club episodes and been listened to for like over 20 million hours and i you know i don't know what i've ever said in there but i'm sure bad i'm sure i've said so many things that i think are bad now <laughs> that i used to think were good then so right. with my faith and every other thing so it's all it's just to me it's just all out there um but now i do see it differently and i never thought of it as responsibility like how could it be my job for how somebody should interpret what i say because I'm just saying whatever comes in my mind. So what, how can I be on the hook for that? I just, that never made sense to me. Like, why would I be responsible for something I just said? If the person that listened to it knows I'm just, I'm just a person who's saying 
what's coming out right now. I just it doesn't seem like you should be in trouble for that unless you are bad or doing something bad. And I never perceived any. You know, I don't have the self thought that I'm doing anything bad at any given time. Why would I, you know? And so I just never really thought about it, but now I think about it. So it, um, I've, I probably matured and been, like I said, with meditation or whatever, just being a little bit more reflective and having gone through personal difficulty and having gone through the pandemic and just being later in life and being, maybe it took me till I'm 42 to kind of slow down. Like people's metabolism slow down. My mind is slowed down in a way that is different. I am more reflective now and I have the ability to say that might not, I might not want to do that. I might not want to say that, or I might just avoid that. And I don't know if it makes me a better or worse podcaster. I'm afraid worse. (laughs) So that's not an answer that's like, I don't know. You know, it's just, it probably is worse. It's not as fun or probably as fun to listen to. But I can think of more reasons to be more careful now uh, and, and, you know, all the way around. I've never had a – I mean, I've had some bad interactions uh, online and in messages and stuff like that. But nothing about – nothing about like other than – nothing that I was worried about my family or where I live or – any direct i've never really gotten that bad of harassment um, which i can't believe to be honest i guess overall i'd say fortunate i've got a lot of people that don't like me or disagree about <laughs> something, but i've never gotten nasty with anybody or had anybody be like that, that stuff where they send you horrible stuff i've never i've never gotten that so i feel lucky yeah it was uh it was probably about like two and a half years ago at this point but it was like one where it rattled me because i was like like to the point of like, and the the problem is with the internet now, like you can literally come up with like you know VPN blockers and all this kind of shit. So it's like you can hide behind the technology to make yourself anonymous. And I was like, this has got to be someone that like knows me, like knows me personally, like lives around here or whatever. But I was like, then why the fuck would you do that though? Like I don't know, I don't think I know anyone that would be that kind of malicious or whatever you don't have to know them it's just in the matter of numbers i mean we're talking about hundreds of people you don't know or thousands and thousands hundreds thousands millions i mean you it's just it seems like it's just going to happen i always felt that touring the interstates mile after mile it was like i hadn't had a crash i've probably done six hundred thousand miles that eventually you have one a bus or whatever like you know if you're driving down the bus at night overnight you think god still no accident huh you know, <laughs> that's the same way. Like, it, still no okay, still nobody does send a bag of shit to my house, you know, uh, or something. You know, you never know. But why wouldn't somebody? Like, right. why wouldn't somebody who's not stable has an axe to grind? You say something obnoxious, you know, or just what for whatever somebody that's a stalker that loves you or something. I mean, it's just it seems like it with enough numbers. There's 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 a real risk there, so you cannot say you know what that number threshold is where you're safe or not safe but being a public figure is is really really lower in value than i think that it used to be or it's higher stakes maybe it's more payoff than ever before i guess but it seems higher stakes yeah yeah it's it's interesting i know kind of in wrapping up because i know you said you had wanted to give an hour or whatever but uh 
So with like, oh, no, you got another one, but I'm not. Gonna no, I don't actually. I don't. Okay. I thought you yeah. had 430. So we no, I did. I did, but uh, I that was what I was saying earlier. That's actually tomorrow. Honestly. I got my days wrong. Um, so something kind of completely changing gears a little bit, but I was thinking about it today. So you guys, you know, obviously, and already re-recorded. Uh, I'm only a man, which is you know my favorite record out of the discography. Which is funny because I feel like I like the weird records that no one likes, or at least didn't like at the time. The thing that was interesting to me, and you know, you said you 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 know spend your you spend a lot of time reading comments and so forth, and just you know embracing, I guess, the hate at times. But I was glad to see I wasn't the only one that was like, oh wow, you guys seemingly took the time to really enunciate the lyrics, and that there were some lyrics that some of us had been mishearing uh-huh. for a long time until it was like, oh fuck, I didn't know that's what Toby was saying there, or or whatever. Was that a conscious decision to like really hammer? the enunciation this time around or no just a happy byproduct better recording (laughs) okay (laughs) the better recording is be my guess there but no it's not it's not conscious but um but vocal clarity um i do think is something that comes sometimes as a mature vocal skill Basically, okay. um, I notice it that the I've been recording Devin and Toe before the you know the whole time for 20 something years, and if I record them now with a 58, it's gonna be good, it's gonna be good, it's fine, it's gonna be great. <laughs> the the S's aren't gonna be that bad, the the breaths will work, the lip smacks are fine, and they didn't used to be. And so that's not something you can really work on intentionally is what's weird about it. It's just hmm. it's just how you engage with the microphone is a very, you know, re, is a real skill, like a, a craftsman at any craft with their tool. Um, Howard Stern, you know, s- talks about how he spends and spent just endless amount of time thinking about his mic usage and the way he interfaces. It's, it's really more than people think the mic and all that matters, but it's the, I don't, I mean, it's hard to explain what it is. What somebody's skilled with the mic. It's like a smoker. You can tell a new one from, a, <laughs> it's just, you can't practice. You can say you can practice it or whatever, but you know, right. Um, there's stories about Frank Sinatra is uh, one of the, they say that he was so success. One of the things that he was, was very aware of how to use the microphone in new ways. That other people had not. So he would get intimacy and distance and things, and he had a different relationship with that mic in a way that seemed to do something. So it's just I think there's a skill to to being clean and being here, heard and clear and everything that I think maybe matters when you're a 40-year-old that's been singing for 20 years it's these same songs sometimes for 10 years. You've <laughs> got to be able to sing it better now than then. um kind of i guess a fun last question and it'll be kind of twofold for you um you know you're you're hitting milestones with with uh both the podcast and and musically you know doing some of these re-records celebrating some of these records being out for 10 15 20 years looking back at the band especially doing labeled and kind of looking back at some of the bands that maybe influenced you, the bands you came up with and so forth, and just kind of seeing a shift in in music as a whole and how it correlated to your life at that point. What has, what have you taken away now that you're, you know, getting older and kind of doing a lot more of these things 
that still drives you, I guess, to keep doing these things and keep going. Well, the old I'm really frustrated to have gotten old and then start talking about getting old and like, I, you know, I don't, I really want to wish I could go back and hear myself talk now. And would I be able to listen to myself or would I write mm. myself off now for having different opinions or would I've not been, was I truly not been able to see before what I could see? Now? I don't know, but I have a lot of those questions. Um, but it, it sounds like an old thing to say, um, I think Dave Grohl has the, some of the same thing going on where he talks about, I, I have the strongest urge to go back to, wait, but why was I in the garage? Why did I save up money to get a bass amp? Why did I get all my friends in high school that couldn't even play music to try to get them to play and the one guy that could play the drums? Why did I get the pizza and have my parents have people over to be there to do? What were we trying to do that was so play Weezer covers for? I mean, what were we doing that for? That is not lost to me that is the same thing and and i man i you know it, it got so sidetracked for so long over just like not badly but the amount that 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 career or money or status or whatever other things you you know when you get into those things you think oh this is why when i was young i had those desires of this and now i get to have a career and be a important person and uh, learn things and be gain stuff or that it seemed like that was what it was for. But now I don't think that's what it was for. It's still just for the doing of it is all there can be. And you, mm. that's all there can be, you know, and that's all it is. I mean, it, I, I am so attracted to uh, right now. I can tell you what I'm most excited about is the technology and the streaming and the ability to do digital experiences and those be funded now, we get to make music where we're making it sound the best we can sound and play it and get it captured in these super high-quality cameras where I get to produce and direct the whole visual and audio spectacle without, I'm sorry, but without fans present in a quiet room where we can get, get everything right and see it, which is the art form I always wanted to exist like if you could go back, like I understand live concerts are great and the mosh pit is great and that experience is great. I love that too. However, when in when I was in the 90s and listened to Alice in Chains, I was obsessed with the sounds I was hearing and I just wanted to see how do you make those sounds? What is that? And and now uh, I'm starting to add this visual layer to the instead of just doing songs in here, I know we're going to film it in a place with a good guitar on my camera when I really play it. And I'm going to really play it right in one take. And this camera is going to get it. And that sounds you hear is going to be connected to that image in this special way that is so much more engaging than a music video or just hearing a MP3 from a Spotify player. There's more <laughs> to put together now. And eventually that's going to be in VR and that won't be long from now. And when it's time to do VR, nobody's going to be good at it. <laughs> and I, and it will be a playground for me and that is the same thing as when I was 15 and figured out how to play a G chord or power chord and get a distortion pedal for the first time that is how I will feel when we get to play around with VR not yet but we're in some transition toward that and of course we'll do the experiences the live experiences all that it's all great I love everything about it 
I love it. I love communicating and making other people have conscious experiences so they can have the one I'm having. I want to feel something about a guitar notes or uh, delay trails or reverb thing or a funny joke. And I want other people to have that experience that I'm having. That is fun. That's never going to not be fun for me. And I, and I also know, as we said earlier in the interview, I must figure out a way to make it work because I can't get in a regular job. <laughs> so that's, that's all I got to do is surf that wave for another, I don't know how long, 40 more years. <laughs> well, uh, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, taking the time out of your, your busy day of doing multiple podcasts all the time and uh, having a life somehow and uh, doing all that to to shoot the shit basically well i appreciate it i can't say enough about people like you who facilitate a scene whether it's doing press or having us play in your basement or being (laughs) open to new crazy ideas that people don't know how to do well like basement shows and house shows and everything um you know it just you you're one of those guys that's going to pop up again and again in the new territory i mean that that's clear um so you know what you're doing what dewey's doing i think it's all worth I think it's all worth doing, and it's clear that that is – it's, like, clear that it's headed somewhere, but also not. It's just is. So it's yeah. a combination of you're doing – you know, you can tell this podcast and people that do these things for the intrinsic reasons. So hmm. that's what I'm an evangelist for if I'm going to be one going forward. So that's uh, – g- keep up the good work doing making this type of content that I find rich and valuable. And uh, where can people follow you or whatever you'd like to plug that's uh, available online? Well, I figure the best thing really is to get on Emery's email list, which I don't know the best way to do it. But I think we think through an email thing more than go to some website. But really uh, paying attention to – well, figure out a way to get on Emery's mailing list is probably – that's the only thing I've got in my head, but whatever. Fair enough. We're going to do the question and our new album as video specials in the quite near future. So those are going to be special events. And that's what I want everybody to see and judge us as we are now from those. And then next chapter. I got a last, last fun throwaway question. What are you going to do next? That's going to piss off your fans. You had nudity on an album cover. You started scamming your fans with crypto. (laughs) So oh, yeah, what's, what's next? <laughs> well, I think the crypto scams to run off the last of them. Okay, <laughs> uh, and then we'll just ride off into the to the breeze. Uh, now the crypto thing is going super well so far. I really feel that there's a bright future for the total technology. I mean, to us that amounts to like a uh, we have a good little economy going inside where we're exchanging and selling merch with that and dis. I mean, it's like a whole parallel commerce that's occurring over there, and they're not, it's it's really weird, um, but it's it seems very functional and it's very promising as a model. But it's just what we're playing around with and learning that territory. But I do think things it, it's not. Uh, I do think that will continue to piss people off. Uh, I'll make a prediction that's very 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 vague. But I feel strongly that the mainstream culture, as it was in the like 90s or before grunge, or even in the late 90s again, before indie music broke out, hmm. I feel we're at a very similar cultural place where it's like, I'm sick of the mainstream bullshit. Now, right now, the mainstream is YouTube and Twitter and Facebook or whatever, um, or perfect Apple websites or whatever. Like, I, I, I think, you know, there's that's not underground. That's not indie. That's not DIY. Like... Yeah, you can use those. The internet was that, 
and now it's this other thing. So, you know, I think we can all be uh, on the lookout for more alternative type things. And with that, it's always going to come. Oh, I don't want to download that. I don't want to go to this other platform. I don't want to go on the, what is, I've never seen this before. I don't want to pay in that crypto. You tell me I got to get an NFT to get uh, some, well, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying I don't have any plans beyond that. But as the technology goes, we're going to go. That We're going to go innovate in new technological space. I do think that will continue to piss off some people. I don't think piss off is the word I would have used. I think you challenge people to that, have so. new experiences. But that's I invite them to get some of our cryptocurrency. You get $10 worth. Just Then you'll be somebody who wasn't afraid to do that. And whatever you have to adapt to next it's yeah. going to be harder. It's not going to get, you know, it's going to be a bigger leap to a new thing that you really don't understand at some point, And then you're not going to take the journey or you are. And if so, what discomfort could you practice now? That is my very much my mindset. Well, very much looking forward to uh, people checking this out and hating on one of us, maybe for something we said <laughs> and that we'll forget. And uh, hopefully uh, I felt bad because last time uh, the guys came through, you weren't with them. So I think that needs to be rectified. Maybe it needs to be you, Devin and Toby. We'll get out the trio. Yeah, they did it without me last time, but I enjoyed getting to take a break. You know, they, I still get a cut <laughs> of the merch they sell when they're out. So that's I don't even have to go. So it's fine. Sometimes they do shows, the two of them. We're doing one this weekend, the three of us. So it's mm-hmm. just, it depends on what, it, what the situation is. But we've been, that's one of the keys for Emory's flexibility is we've just done every type of, We've just tried everything and figured out a way to, to make it work. And if the opportunity just needs Devin, we'll just send Devin. We might make a deal. Who knows? <laughs> it's whatever. Enjoy the rest of your night, and uh, we'll All be right. in touch. Thank you, John. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. So that was my conversation with Matt Carter. Uh, I want to take the time and thank him again for spending you know, a little over an hour talking with me. Uh, I really enjoyed that. That was one of those that when you get done with it, you just kind of walk away feeling like you accomplished something, like, it was good that like you and the other person really just kind of hit on some stuff. And and I know for me, when I was done talking with Matt, I, I kind of thought about some of the, the things and topics that we had kind of hit on, you know, one of them being that Matt doesn't feel like he can be a good boss st- or a student because essentially he, you know, doesn't, if he has a way to get from like point A to point Z and he doesn't have to start at the beginning because he has some foundation or, or some, some base really to kind of, go from it and get to the end, but can't because it's like, well, that's not what you're supposed to do. You have to do it this way. And it's like, well, why do we do it that way? Isn't there a better way to do it? And <laughs> I think that's, it, it, that really stuck with me. Cause like, as you know, I've said, and I said in this real quickly, like, you know, I'm still doing shipped, which is basically a grocery delivery system thing. And you know, like the last, since I've been doing it, that's like really my only job other than working door at a bar a couple of nights a week. But I love the freedom to just do what I want, but I have to fucking bust my ass to ensure that I'm able to pay my bills and do those kind of things. And it's one of those where like, as I'm currently like literally just got an email from a recruiter uh, for a job where I'm like, do I really want to go back to working a structured, like in a structured environment where it's like, you have to do this, you have to do these things. And if I were to try to challenge someone on going, Hey, I think I have a better way of doing this to go. No, cause that's, this is the way we do it. Or, you know, you can't because it has to go through this person to this person to this person. And, you know, it's one of those where it's funny when doing these podcasts, sometimes you just really, how they kind of hit you right when they're supposed to, this conversation was recorded probably about a month ago at this point. 
But it's funny how like that piece of the the conversation is still something that I'm wrestling with and I'm still trying to figure out and still work my way through. Like what is what is worth, you know, your time, the thing that you don't have a lot of and to know that I value my time to be able to do a lot of things that I want to do. I kind of don't want to give it up. And it's one of those like right now where I'm just kind of like, maybe this is why I'm, I'm a good employee for a little bit until I start going, well, we could do this better. Or why do I do this this way when this would be a smarter, you know, alternative or whatever. And I'm just already in my head kind of like, I just don't know if I want to go back to it. And it was funny listening back to this. I really resonated with Matt talking about that because it's literally what I'm going through. Um, So hopefully there was some really cool stuff in this conversation. A lot of really cool uh, topics discussed and Matt really taking the time to explore uh, to the furthest realms of you know, the thought, uh, and, and going even beyond the initial thought sometimes, um, that's kind of what I love about doing this podcast and being a lot more free form in it, uh, at this point. So, um, I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And, uh, we're going to kind of wrap this up. If you would like to keep up with Matt and Emery, you can find Emery on Facebook at Emery, Instagram at Emery official, Twitter at official Emery. And if you just want to kind of go to the landing page for everything, emerymusic.com, uh, that is the landing page for all their stuff. Anything you would need to know about them. If you want to get some cryptocurrency, if you want to buy tickets for any of their upcoming shows, all that stuff is there. If you want to keep up with Matt, uh, personally, Personally, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Zod Carter. Uh, he's not super, super active on them. I would say he's been a little bit more active on Twitter as of late. Um, but he is a, an interesting person. And obviously, you can find the podcast that I had mentioned, a uh, quick rundown, break it down podcast, bad Christian podcast, and the uh, labeled podcasts, respectively. Uh, if you would like to keep up with this podcast, simple enough, brucespeakpod.com is your landing page for everything here. And last but not least, want to thank our podcast sponsors for their continued support. If you can support them, I would be greatly appreciated. Quick rundown again, rockabilia.com. Head on over there. They have over 500,000 items in their online store. There's going to be something you want. And to save you a little bit of cash, use our code BREW, and you'll take 10% off your total purchase order there at the end. Uh, I want to thank them again. On Point Palmade, keep your beard and hair looking on point. Use our code BSP15 and take 15% off your total purchase order. And last but not least, Bean Bastard Coffee. Head on over to thebeanbastard.com, pick up some delicious coffee, and if you're in the Buffalo, New York area, head on over there. Support the brick and mortar. I might be heading back to Buffalo in December for the ETID Christmas show. And uh, definitely hoping to go check out uh, the new brick and mortar if I'm there. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. We'll see you next week with D. Snyder, the legend himself. Talk to you then.